And we are going to continue the study that we've been doing called Reclaiming Biblical Healing. If you've been with us the last few weeks, we've, we've looked at uh, you know, basically where the church is and why the church is where she's at as far as uh, a lot of things, but particularly in this area of healing. We've looked uh, at what the Old Testament foundation is. We've started to build a foundation from which this body, this house, can be a house of healing. Uh, I really believe that God has called us to be a house of healing. And when I say that, I want you to understand, I'm talking about spiritual healing. I'm talking about emotional healing. And I'm also talking about physical healing. We don't, we don't get one in light of giving up the other two. It's, it's a package deal. I mean, that's, Jesus came to give us the whole package. And so our desire is to go after him and to uh, pursue him. And uh, I believe if we pursue him, he'll let us find him. And when we find him, he will be far more than we bargained for. Okay? I mean, that's just what Scripture teaches. And so this week, last week we looked uh, at healing and the Messiah and, and what the Bible talked about the Messiah and how he would be a healer and, and how he would do three particular uh, uh, miracles that would, uh, that would tip us off to the fact that, uh, that he was the Messiah. He would heal someone who was blind from birth. We know he did that several times. He would uh, heal those who had leprosy. He did that several times. And he would also uh, heal a person who was, who was demonized, who, had, who was mute. In other words, they couldn't speak, couldn't hear. And he did that several times. And so he fulfilled everything, and yet the nation... He, of, of Israel that he came to rejected him. The religious leaders rejected him. The pastors rejected him. The common people embraced him, but, but the religious people rejected him because he didn't look the way they thought he should look. He didn't act the way he thought they thought he should act. In fact, I was, as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I read, it, it was humorous, to me, and, and, and I don't think it was very funny to Jesus, but it was humorous now looking back. But when Jesus cast the, the, the mute demon out of the man, you know what the religious leaders said? Hmm. Do a sign for us. That's what they said. Give us a sign from heaven. Duh. That was just an aside. Okay. Now, we know that, that Jesus preached a message. And if we put that core message that Jesus preached in simple terms, and in one sentence, literally we can put it in one sentence, because he puts it in one sentence. It's found in in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. It says, from this time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. When Matthew speaks of the kingdom of God, he uses the term kingdom of heaven. They're the same thing. Okay, unless you're into one of the theologies that deny the gifts and all those kind of things. But they're the same thing. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of God is here. Repent. We don't like that word. It's not a very, uh, it's not a word that, that we enjoy very much. Repent. But folks, it's a, it's a word that's filled with grace. And it simply means 
that we are not thinking right. That we need to return to the way that God thinks. You see, the gospel that Jesus preached, it's the gospel we're supposed to preach. It's a, it's a, a complete gospel. It's, it includes the gospel of salvation that all of us have heard. But it includes a lot more. It includes the, the gospel of how to live out that salvation. See, gospel means good news. That's all it means is good news. And Jesus came proclaiming and he came demonstrating the gospel of the kingdom. In other words, he came preaching the good news that as it is in heaven, it can be here on earth if we obey God. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to have troubles. It doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. It just means we could live at a, at a far greater level than we live. The message he proclaimed, the lessons he taught, the actions he performed, all of them illustrated this truth. It illustrated this kingdom that he was trying to, uh, to get us to recognize that that kingdom was at hand and it was among them. It was among them. It was among us. It is among us at this very moment. In other words, Jesus was proclaiming the truth. Not a truth, but the truth. It was the message of heaven. It was what is important to God. If you want to know what's important to God, just examine what Jesus did. Examine what Jesus said. He had one chance to pack in the important stuff. And for three and a half years, he proclaimed it and he demonstrated it. Not one moment was lost. Not one moment was wasted. Everything that Jesus proclaimed, everything that he did, was what the Father wanted him to do. He didn't waste any time. It was what was important to God. And it was what was important and necessary so that, so, so that men and women could live fruitful, abundant, and obedient lives that please God in preparation for an eternal life in His presence. You see, this life is the practice. Okay? For glory. Now, we've gotten into this place where all we can think about is glory and escaping this life. Well, a lot of us are going to get to heaven and not going to know how to act. Okay? I'm just telling you. We're not going to know how to act. We're not going to know how to worship. We're not going to know how to listen. We're not going to know God's voice because we've not spent any time here worshiping or listening or learning what God's voice is like. We're not going to know. I mean, we're going to know who He is. It's going to be really obvious. Like the Jewish leaders, he's not going to look like we thought he was. Okay? And so he's, he's given us the gospel, the good news, for right now. So that we can begin to learn to live at a new level. Folks, the Bible says we are new creations. Okay? New creations. We are a new species of human being. That may not mean much to you. We're not like those who don't know Christ. We are, that person among us is gone. That's what scripture says, dead and gone. Behold, we are a new creation. We're a new species. We look like them and we act like them sometimes. But inside, we're different. We're different. That which is on the inside has to come to the outside. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be learning how to do that. Now it's very interesting that in the Greek that very often 
the word at the front of the sentence is the most important one. It's the emphasis. Very often they'll, they'll take a word that, that would naturally go at the front and put it at the front because they want to emphasize something. Well, guess what? What's the first word Jesus says? That's what we think of repent. repent. He says, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning, change the way you think. And think like God. That's what Jesus' message was. Jesus came into a world that had all kinds of religions. And He came to a people who were called of God, who had His law, and yet what they had and what they were practicing was a million miles away from what God had instituted. And Jesus saying, you guys think wrong. You think that God doesn't love you. You think that He only loves those who keep all His laws. You think you can't be healed unless you confess your sin and go see a priest and offer a sacrifice. You think you're supposed to stay away from these people because they sin. You think, you think, you think, you think wrong. Repent. Think like God. That's His message. That's what Jesus is proclaiming there. In other words, if you don't think like Jesus... You're wrong. And we don't like that, okay? We don't like to be wrong. But that's what Jesus is preaching. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom, the way God thinks. What he preached is how God thought. And, and, and his thoughts and, and his actions on mercy and on, on ministry and on, even on healing are what God was doing. See, Jesus made the invisible Father visible for us. We had a concept. Man had a concept, an image of who God was because there was nothing visible. In fact, God had said, don't make a visible image of me. So man had this, we had this concept of what God is and what God's not. Well, Jesus steps on the earth and He is God. And we don't have to wonder what God thinks or how God acts, because Jesus fleshes him out. Jesus gave us a glimpse, whether you realize this or not, of what heaven looks like. Now, we're all caught up in streets of golds and gates of pearls and, and all this kind of stuff, okay? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when John saw that, he couldn't think of words to describe it, all right? It would just blew his mind. But Jesus comes and he fleshes out heaven. He says, hey, do it like this. Walk with me. I'll show you what it's like in heaven. You know why? Because that's where he came from. None of them had ever been there. None of us have been there. But that's where he came from. And folks, Jesus came to show us what heaven's really like. Not the heaven we sing about in country songs and in southern gospel songs and even in hymns. Okay? We've built a theology of heaven from music rather than from Jesus and from what Scripture teaches. Jesus brought us an eyewitness account because He was a resident of heaven. We have to understand that the kingdom of God, when we talk about the kingdom, most people, most Christians, they don't, it's just a phrase. It really doesn't mean anything to them because their mind is on one of these days, I'm going to go to heaven. Folks, the kingdom of God is where God is. 
at present. And the kingdom of God is one of those teachings in Scripture that is here, yet it's not here. It's present, yet it's future. Let me explain what I mean. The kingdom of God is resident on this planet in God's people. Because the Holy Spirit, who is God, who is the king, is resident within us. The kingdom means the king's domain. Now, every person who knows Christ has kingdom within them because the king has made his domain there. But there's coming a day. That's present. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's also future. There is a day coming when the skies will break open and the king will return visibly. He will come. Okay? But we get excited about that, but we don't get excited that He's in us. Okay? He is in us now. And He wants out. He's trapped. Okay? He's trapped. And He wants out. So the kingdom is now and not yet. It's present. It's future. That's what it means when you, when you read sometimes in, in commentaries about the kingdom of God being present and future. Folks, the kingdom is in us, but we're not the king. Okay? I want us to understand that. We are the kingdom, and the kingdom is with us, but we're not the kingdom. Jesus Christ is the king. And Jesus came to show us the abundant life, the kingdom life, the life that God desires every one of us to live. And not just when we get to heaven or that day when the skies open and He literally comes back. You see, we can live that quality of life now. Okay? Everything He preached, everything He taught, as well as all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders, illustrated that quality of life that was available. And it was available to those who were willing to follow him. Now, I said this a few minutes ago. It did not promise life without persecution or life without problems. What it promised was someone to walk with us who was bigger than all the problems and who could take us through the persecution. Okay? We want heaven so we can get away from everything. Okay, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. I want to go to heaven, okay? My body's wearing out. All right? I mean, I just, I know that. And some of you know what I mean. I swatted bumblebees yesterday. I went back to my childhood and had a good time. The only problem is my shoulder hurts today. Okay? I can't swat bumblebees anymore. I'm too old, I guess. So I understand, man, I want to get to heaven but, but what heaven has become is an escape place. Okay? When God put us here to change this place, and heaven was the icing on the cake. In the beginning, heaven was in the garden. Okay? In a sense, everything they had was there. And the presence of God was visibly, manifestly there with them. There was no sin. There was no death. There was no sickness. None of that stuff. So Jesus comes to show us what that kingdom life looks like. 
And he came to show us that, that though it has problems, there are problems. We live in problems. We have, we have issues. That, that God is bigger than the issues. He's bigger than the problems. He came to show us that it was a relationship. See, it had degenerated into a ritual and a religion. Hadn't changed any. But Jesus came to show us that it was a relationship, that it was about intimacy. It wasn't about rituals. It wasn't about religion. It wasn't about rules. It was about intimacy. It was about relationship. And so when Jesus began to flesh these things out in Nazareth and Galilee and around the Sea of Galilee and in Jerusalem, you know what would happen? Every time he did something that was kingdom-oriented, which was all the time, Heaven kissed earth. Heaven kissed earth. Heaven kissed earth. Heaven came to earth. You know what one of the most encouraging aspects of heaven is? In heaven there's no disease. There's no death. There's no demonization. There's no despair. There's no sickness. And listen to me. In the domain of the king, death and disease, and demons are powerless. Okay? They're powerless. Jesus demonstrated their powerlessness by doing what? Healing people who were sick. Casting out the demons and the demonized. And raising those who were dead. When the kingdom of God stepped into any of those situations, those situations changed. He authorized His followers who are us to do the same. Listen to what Luke chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says. Jesus gave this specifically to His his followers. He says, in whatever city you enter, in other words, as you are going, that's what it means, as you are going, whatever city you enter, And they receive you. In other words, you can't force it on people. We're notorious for that. Y'all do know that, don't you? I mean, lots of people, I mean, there's a group of folks from another, I'm not going to call them, they're not a denomination. It's a, a cult, a cult, a cult group. When I see them coming, I can say, I saw him this week, Kathy and I were out walking, stop at every door, get out. Nobody was home. And we said, there go the so-and-sos. You know what? Other people say that about us. Because we do the same thing. We're intent on hammering them with a message instead of loving them. And Jesus came to love people. And he says, he says, whatever city you enter, And they receive you. In other words, they accept what you're saying. Eat what is set before you. And then he says this. Heal those in it who are sick and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near you. Declare it. Declare it. Work what I've told you to do. Heal the sick. Cast out those who have demonic spirits. Set free those who are in bondage. And tell them the kingdom is at hand. It's here. Folks, the message hadn't changed. We're supposed to be doing the same thing. This message is a part of the gospel of the kingdom. It's a part that Jesus proclaimed. It's a part that that Jesus demonstrated. 
Every time a person was healed or set free, you know what happened? Heaven kissed earth in that moment. It kissed that person in that moment. And in that person's life, there was a change. Jesus taught His disciples. He taught them to pray and proclaim something. We find it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now folks, that is not some prayer for the future. That is a prayer for right now, here and now. It is this, it's a prayer for every situation. It's a prayer for every circumstance. But it's more than a prayer. It's a declaration. We declare it. We proclaim it. We stand up loud and proud on our chair and we scream it. Okay, that's what we're supposed to be doing. The kingdom of God is here. God, your kingdom come. Your will be done in this situation. In, 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 this, in, this, in this tragedy, God. In this sickness, God. In this, in this person's life who is beat up and, and destroyed because of what somebody did. Lord, your kingdom come in their life. Your will be done right here, Lord, as it is in heaven. And what we are doing, we're reaching into heaven and we are putting it into the earthly realm. And that's what God said. That's what Jesus said. I want you guys to pray this way. And see, we think prayer is tossing up requests to God. It's not. A lot of prayer is declaring what God's will is into a situation that's out of His will. And if we'd stop praying and start declaring, things would change. You say, well, that's not what I've been taught. I've been taught to ask God, ask God, ask God. Okay, I'm going to get to that, all right? I'll get there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Hang on. Just hang on with me a minute. In heaven, there's no sickness. Would everybody agree? There's no sickness. So we're asking God to kiss the earth with the no sickness. That's all we're asking. You know what God's will is? Look at heaven. His will is done perfectly every moment in heaven. So if it's not in heaven, it's not His will. Amen? Let me say it again. If it's not in heaven, it's not God's will. See, we've been taught this, and and, and God is, I want you to hear me here, okay? I don't want you to mistake what I'm saying. God is sovereign, okay? He is a sovereign God. He is in control. But we've been taught this sovereignty thing that says everything that happens is the will of God, therefore God's in control. And you know what? There are a lot of things that happen that are not God's will, that God had nothing to do with. Y'all with me? It's not God's will that any should perish, but they die every day. And they go to hell. It's not God's will that as believers we are immoral. That we have immoral thoughts. Or that we get involved in immoral acts. Because he says the will of God is is to run from it. So everything that's the will of God does not get done. Okay? There's a choice that you and I make as to whether we're going to be a part of that will or not. But what happens is we blame God for everything. I can't tell you how many situations that I've been in, tragedies, 
where I would hear somebody's voice. You know what? God could have changed this if He wanted to. Yes, He could have. But you know what? There were choices made along the way that brought this person to this place. And God gave us a will. And with that will, we have responsibility. So everything is not the will of God. But Jesus showed us what God's will was. God wanted to kiss earth. He wanted His will to engulf and to change the earth so that it conformed perfectly with, with his, his will. Sickness, folks, I don't think is God's will. I, I, it's not, is it in heaven? Let me ask that. No. Therefore, it's not His will. How, how many of y'all realize death is not the will of God? Death is an enemy. That's what Scripture says. Death is an enemy. He's the last, it's the last enemy that will be vanquished. And most of what happens on this planet is not the will of God. See, God's will is life. Life. L-I-F-E. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm trying to say. Right? I stretch my eyes out a little bit. Life. Okay? Jesus said this in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Way, truth, and life is who He is. It's His essence. It's an attribute of God. God is life. It's an attribute. It's his, life is His will. He is the one who breathed life into this planet. He breathed life into a, 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 a form that He had formed out of the dirt. He breathed His life, His Ruach, His spirit into Adam. And it says, Adam became a living soul. He, he became alive. So God is life. He's abundant life. He's eternal life. Those are His gifts. See, I, I can't, after, after I've studied this and I've, I've begun to, this stuff's begun to get in my DNA, I can't believe how the church ever came to the place where they believe that sickness is the will of God to make us better Christians. How God could send sickness or, or, or disease or demons or suffering so that it would build our faith is beyond me, folks. They're not pre- those things are not present in heaven. You cannot send what you do not possess. And He does not possess any of those things. They are not a part of Him. They're not presence in heaven. So, you know what? I can say this, and I believe, and I'm confident. Let me just say it. I, this is what I believe. You're okay. Whatever you want to go, you take your own trip. You, you do what you want to do. But I don't think sickness is the will of God. For me in my life. And I think when the church grasps that truth, we will see a change in this planet. But it won't until we do. They're not a part of the kingdom life God has given me. And Jesus, when, when He confronted the Pharisees and the religious leaders concerning healing, He was very clear. He was very clear. He, 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 you remember the, 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 the ones that came to him, and I've already mentioned this earlier, but the, the religious thought of his day was that you could not be healed without first going to a priest and confessing your sins and offering the proper sacrifice. And then the priest would pronounce the healing on you, which may or may not come. 
Okay? Now, in Luke 11, Jesus confronts that faulty belief system. And he confronts it with a kingdom action. And I I shared this a minute ago. He, He invaded the place. He cast out a demon that caused a man to be mute. And see, the the Jews, the only way they could cast a a demonic spirit out was by having that demon's name. And the only way they could get that name was for that demon to tell them his name. So if the demon is mute and the the man's mute, he can't speak, guess what? No name. You can burn all the incense you want. You can jump up and down. You can pray as long as you want. It's not going to happen. And what does Jesus do? Come out. He didn't ask it its name. He didn't burn any incense. He commanded. You know why he commanded? Because it is the will of God. And he knew what the will of God was. And so he used the will of God like you're supposed to. He didn't have to ask God. He didn't have to pray. He commanded. And that spirit came out. And you know what happened? They claimed they couldn't deal with it. And so they claimed, you know what? He did this through the power of Beelzebub. That's what they said. Beelzebub was the ruler of the demons in their mythology. So Jesus responds. He says this in Luke eleven nineteen and 20. He says, and if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Hmm. Consequently, they shall be your judges. Listen to what he says. But if I cast them out by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Folks, when the kingdom of God invaded this planet through Jesus, everything that was not a part of his kingdom and God's will fled before him. It was like a conquering king and a, and a great army invading. They fled. They ran. Jesus invaded this world and he didn't invade it just to have a nice three and a half years. He invaded it, folks, to take dominion. He invaded it to take control. It was his kingdom. It was his will. And so what happens is he comes and he takes control and he establishes the king's domain. I love what John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says. And I'm just going to read the latter part of it. It said, The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Why? Why? Why did he come to destroy the works of the devil? Well, John 10.10 10 tells us, The thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. Now I want to ask you all some questions. I want you all to pay close attention to me for the next four or five sentences. What does sickness and disease and disabilities and demonic torment do? They kill, they steal, and they destroy. If, they, if you think they make you a better follower of Christ... I want, to, I, want to, I want to take this thought one more step, okay? How many of you have children or grandchildren? Okay, most everybody in here. Did your children or do your grandchildren ever mess up? 
do they ever fail to do exactly what you tell them to do? Do they interpret it the way they think they should? Okay. Now, let's just imagine you're God. Okay? The next time they mess up, why don't you expose them to a little stomach virus? A little flu. Or if they've been really bad, why don't you just hit them with some leukemia? Folks, that's what we're saying that God does when we say that garbage. God doesn't do that. He doesn't strike His children with that stuff. Okay? Well, they'll become better children if they live. That's not what God does. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But don't you listen to the latter part of this. I came that they might have life. I want you to say it with me. Life. Life. And might have it what? You know what the word abundantly means? It means more than they need. I came not to just help them get by. I came to give them an abundance so that they will have more than they need. You know why he gives us more than we need? So we can share it with those who have a need. And the more we share, the more he gives, the more abundance is poured out. Okay? Folks, the will of God is not for us to be sick. And, and you know what? God can use anything that comes into our life to make us better. I mean, he, you know, I heard one pastor say he can use any hand he's dealt. But that's not what God does. God doesn't send that stuff to, for the purpose of making us better. Okay? That is a wrong belief that sprang up in the Middle Ages and, and, and built a whole theology. But yet we still hang on to it. As Jesus proclaimed and as he demonstrated this good news of the kingdom, listen to me, Jesus never prayed to see if this person's disease or that demon needed to be cast out or healed. Y'all do realize that. Father, I'm just not sure about this blind man, Bartimaeus. What do you want me to do? Jesus never did that. You know why he never did that? Because he had never seen that in heaven. He knew that it did not belong where the kingdom was. He knew it was not a part of the kingdom. He knew it was not a part of God's will. Instead, you know what he did? In those moments, he stepped in and heaven kissed earth and he declared specific things so that the will of God could take place. Rise up and walk. Be healed. Get out. Those are not prayers. Those are declarations of the will of God. See, Jesus knew the will of God. Well, there it is, Pastor. We don't know the will of God. Why don't we know the will of God? Because we're not listening or we haven't taken time enough to spend with Him. Listen, God lets you know His will in situations if you ask Him and if you spend enough time with Him. You can't run by, grab your Bible, read three verses, run out to work, 
and go to work and call that a quiet time. Okay, you just can't do it. Now, I'm not beating you with a stick this morning. I'm just saying you're not going to know God's will if you don't spend time with God. Those of you who are married, you know what pleases your spouse. You know why? Because you spent time with them. We'll know what pleases God if we'll get the book out and read it and just ask Him. You see, Jesus knew the will of God. He knew that, that it was God's will. And you don't have to pray about something when you know it's the will of God. Is it the will of God if somebody's hanging on a tree limb over the edge of a cliff? Is it the will of God that you try to save them? Not sure, Pastor. That may fall into that sovereignty realm you were talking about. Listen to me. It's the will of God. If somebody's dying of thirst, is it the will of God that you give them a drink of water? Well, I just don't know, Pastor. God may be trying to take them to heaven. I'll kind of interfere with it if I give them water. Come on, folks. That's the theology we live with. You say, well, that's rather simple. Well, it is simple. It is. We make it so complex, but it really is simple. You don't have to pray if you know the will of God. You declare it. You proclaim it. You bring the kingdom of God, the king's domain, to bear on that issue. Have you got children that are are prodigals? It's not God's will that they be prodigals. Begin to declare things into that child's life. Begin to declare the will of God into their life. Don't just go, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. Declare those things. God, I declare that this child will return again to you. They will realize that you are who you are. Now you can pray, God, raise somebody up wherever they are to turn them back this way. But declare truth into their lives. Now, Jesus never prayed for God when it came time to cast a demon out. He never asked God, God, do I let this one go? Do I let this one stay? Did he? He cast it out. Why? Well, it's obvious that demonic torment is not the will of God. It's not in heaven. If it's not in heaven, listen to me, it ain't supposed to be a part of our life. Okay? I don't, that's not good English, but that communicates. If it's not in heaven, it's not supposed to be a part of our life. And folks, listen to me. Until that belief takes hold of us, takes hold of you, until you grasp it, and it becomes faith, you will never see the kingdom of God come through your life. God will always be trapped. Okay? He'll be trapped. God wants out. And the way He gets out, folks, is when we begin to believe what He says. And until you believe that God wants you to walk in the fullness of the kingdom, you will walk in the poverty of the devil's lies. It's one or the other. Who you believe and who you partner with is the life you walk out. Listen to me, I'm not preaching name it and claim it this morning. What I'm doing is declaring the life of the kingdom over you. That's what Jesus came. He came preaching the good news. This was good news to the people he preached it to. Because it wasn't just life in the by and by. It was life right now. My life can change dramatically right now. 
It was abundant life. And folks, that abundant life is vastly different than what many of us are experiencing right now. When the kingdom of God touches humanity, something happens. The Greek word is called dunamis. It's power. When, when the kingdom of God touches a person, the power of God is released. And heaven comes to earth. And the atmosphere and the composition of that person's spirit and their soul and their body is changed. It's energized. It's electrified. It's changed. Whenever God touches a person, they are either changed or there's another option. They are burnt to a crisp. That's the other option. Okay? They cannot remain the same. Listen, when, Jesus, when God touched the crucified, mangled, cold, dead body of Jesus, what happened? He came alive. We're going to celebrate that next Sunday. He had been, in the, he had been dead for three days. He was dead. And the power of God, the dunamis, the Holy Spirit touched him. And the scripture says he got up alive. Folks, the same spirit, the same dunamis is evident and it's not evident, it's resident within every person in this room that knows Christ. Listen, the Apostle Paul declares this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He says, for the kingdom of God does not consist in words but in power, dunamis. In other words, when the kingdom of God breaks into a situation or a circumstance or a sickness or a disease or a, a, a demonized person, God's power is manifested. It's declared. It's demonstrated for everybody to see. Listen, Paul declares in Romans chapter 14, verse 7, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. Okay? Now I know what most Christians think heaven's going to be like. It's going to be one continuous party. All I want to eat, everything I want to eat, that big old house I'm going to live in. You know what? None of that is found in the book here. There are streets of go, but mansions, that's William Tyndall's translation. And in his day, if it had a roof over it and a wall or two, it was a mansion. Okay. Listen to what he says. He says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Folks, too often, the body of Christ gets caught up in the natural stuff, the do's and the don'ts of religion and tradition and rituals. But the kingdom of God expresses itself in different, a different way, in righteousness, in peace, and in joy. Righteousness answers the sin issue, our spiritual healing, because it produces righteousness within us. Peace answers that torment issue that we have in our soul, in our mind. It, it affects us there. And joy answers the affliction issues and affects our body. Listen to what the psalmist declares in Psalm 1611. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. 
King Solomon, who wrote Proverbs, says this. In Proverbs 17, 22, he says, A joyful heart is good medicine. Literally what that means, a, a joyful heart is healing. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. Here's my point, okay? When the kingdom of God breaks into a situation, heaven kisses earth. Things change emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And folks, we have been called to be the change agents of that kingdom. We are not that we don't bring the, the miracle to bear or the change. We're just the agents. We're the one who we're the ones who carry the kingdom with us. We're the conduits. We're the pipes. How many of you have water that comes from the uh, Birmingham Waterworks to your house? You know what? There is not a guy in a control center in Birmingham who's doing this and it magically appears in your potties and in your lavatories and your sinks. Right? Trust me, I know. There's a pipe out there in your yard. And there's a pipe that runs down the road. It comes from the source. Folks, Jesus is the source. We're the pipes. I've shared this with you before. If you go to Israel and you drive from Jericho down to the Dead Sea, you, you'll drive down by the, the Sea of, I mean, the uh, uh, Jordan River. On the side of the road where the Jordan River is, where they irrigate, it's as green as green can be. On the other side of the road, it's as dry as dry can be as far as you can see. You know why? There's no pipes over there with irrigation. If we go and look out these windows, that's what it looks like. Because there's no pipes. God has called us to be the conduits of the kingdom. He's called us, folks. We don't produce the works. But we're the body of Christ. And God uses us to bring it to bear here on earth. So that the will of God is done right here, right now. Please, please don't pray, oh God, if it's your will. If you don't know God's will, ask Him His will. But don't ever tack if it's your will on the end of a prayer. Because that's unbelief. That's another sermon. But I'm just it just popped into my head and I'm preaching without a muffler right now, okay? I'm just telling you. Don't pray that stuff. Either know God's will or say, God, I don't know your will right now. Show me. Show me. Show me how to pray here. Show me what to say here. Lord, I, I'm, I'm not sure. But don't go, don't pray this long prayer of what you want to see happen and then tack if it's your will. Because most of the time, those kind of prayers are not the will of God in that situation. That's why we tack on if it's your will. Okay, I know that totally different sermon, but I just threw it in there. Okay. Folks, we're the body of Christ here. We're the conduits. And that conduit is to carry spiritual healing. It's to carry emotional healing. It's to carry uh, mental healing. It's to carry healing of the body. And, 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 and the reason we don't see it is because we don't understand or believe the message of the kingdom. That's, that's why we don't see it. I'm going to close. Do you remember the first word of the sentence we said at the beginning summed up the message of Jesus. Repent. What does repent mean? Change the way you think and think like God. 
Change your thought pattern. What you believe is, if, if, if what, let me say it this way, if what you believe is not what God believes, somebody has a problem. Guess what? It is not God. Okay? It's you and me. And so we have to change the way we think, and we have to return to the way God thinks. Whether we believe it or not, healing of the spirit, the soul, and the body is a clear sign that the kingdom of God is near. That heaven is kissing earth. That's why the religious leaders of Jesus' day rushed to crucify Him. They recognized that the miracles He was performing declared that He was the Messiah. That He was the King. There was no argument. Okay, They knew it. And the people recognized it. And they realized if we don't kill Him, We're going to lose everything we have. We're going to lose our kingdom. Folks, they refused to accept him because he fulfilled, even though he fulfilled their scriptures, he fulfilled the word of God, he didn't conform to their beliefs. And he didn't conform to their thought system and how they did things. And and his representation of who God was didn't conform to their representation of who they thought God is. So they crucified him, choosing rather their own interpretations than God's. I believe God has a message for his church this morning. I want you to listen to this and then I'm done. This is what God says, change your way of thinking. When my kingdom touches earth, I I bring my world to yours. And unless you change your way of thinking, And your perspective, you will continue to live within reach of what you dream of, but you will never taste its reality. And folks, there is generation after generation after generation of the church that has not tasted the reality of God and what He intended us to experience when He sent Jesus. Remember what Jesus told His disciples? He says, heal those who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near. Let's pray. Father, this morning. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.